Hey, yo, everybody. Welcome to the Joey and Amanda podcast. I'm Joey. And I'm Amanda. We have a really special episode that we are excited to share with you today. We sat down with a small group, and I'll give a quick intro as to who everyone is in a second, but um, it all centered around one man, Henry Dalman. Henry's a world-renowned photographer who immigrated to the U.S. from Paris when he was a young man. He was self-taught, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, and worked, until eventually photographing for Time Magazine. You've seen his work. He photographed Elvis many times, Marilyn Monroe, JFK, Andy Warhol, Marx Brothers, yep, Muhammad Ali, Louis Armstrong, and many others. He captured some of the biggest moments in American history and pop culture. But what you wouldn't know from his work is the road he traveled to get to the U.S. He escaped and survived the Holocaust one miracle at a time. And he lost both of his parents and became an orphan all before the age of 13. Henry's story is miraculous. And, he, and it's moving and inspiring. And I just freaking love the man. He's great. He's such a character. Yeah. Fortunately, an incredible documentary highlighting his life was made. Henry Dalman, looking up. I loved it so much. So, I, so good. It was so good. I was crying throughout the whole documentary. And the, the beautiful thing about it is I think that everybody can relate to it one way or another. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely had me very emotional. If, if I watched it at home, I would have been ugly crying. But I had to <laughs> hold back a little bit since there were people around and I didn't want to be loud. Yeah, but it's so well made. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody to see it. Yeah. And joining Henry in this episode is producer of the documentary and granddaughter of Henry, Nicole Suarez, director Peter Kenneth Jones, and cinematographer Roland Smith. It was really great to talk to all of them. Even how even the story of how the documentary came together in the first place is a miracle. Miracles are definitely a theme throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, It was really an honor to have Henry here and to talk with him. It was a pleasure to talk with him. His story is important. Thank you, Henry. Thank you, Henry. So you know each other for four years. And you're from different states, too. Mm-hmm. That's a miracle, right? That to yeah. all merge into one place in yeah. Los Angeles. Huh? Yeah. Speaking of miracles. Oh, well, you, you are a miracle. <laughs> you, you, well, you've uh, had uh, miraculous I tend things. to agree with you. Yeah. Because it's a miracle that I'm here. Yeah. It really, yeah. it really yeah. is. I, I, don't, I don't know who to thank, but uh, yeah. I guess my parents. <laughs> because uh, it really is a miracle. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good place to start. Because I wanted to like sort of move through your life. But now you're you're the movie star now. Like you are like you're in front that's, of that's, the camera. That's a very strange thing because I, Isn't that, yeah, that's it wild. puts me in the front of the camera where yeah. I'm always in the back. Yeah. Of the camera. How does that I mean, feel? Yeah, what is, what's that like? It's strange and I yeah. understand actors better. How it feels to be behind the camera, sure. Yeah. Makes a big difference. And uh, maybe that's the talent that I had is to be able to relax people and uh, to talk as themselves, not as uh, a big name actor right. or big name writer or painter, or whatever. Right. I think maybe this is the talent. Yeah. I didn't know at the time, but uh, I, I'm able to 
really discover mm-hmm. what motivated me to do what I did. Yeah. At that time, I was so busy. I went from one event to another, right. one story to another, that right. uh, you don't analyze what you do. You just do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's just like you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I try, I try and yeah. be like that. Because then you don't get in your own yeah. way. You sort yeah. of stay out of your own way. Well, uh, often do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's amazing about it, mm-hmm. is that you do get your own way sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's something, you know, to when you do interviews and stories and you have to relax the people and they can be themselves right? and talk as a person to person rather than a big name actor. And I think it's become more and more difficult because uh, it used to be like when I did Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. the curtain was beginning to fall on Elvis, you know, because the people that surrounded him uh, brought a curtain down. Yeah. Uh, like his manager. And, and yeah, the managers and all the people surrounding him, yeah. which in time would show how they, they destructive they were. They destroyed the poor guy. Yeah. You know, he was a normal guy, a loving guy, loved his parents, he loved his mother. And we had a, quite a thing in common. Yeah. Our mothers died uh, at a time where we were still, I was very young. Yeah. His mother died uh, later, but still, you know, when you lose your mother, it makes a big, it's a big deal. Yeah. So we had something to relate. Otherwise, uh, the story that I did on him looks different because we had a different relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, he was not trying to put on uh, the big rock and roll star. Right. We were... Man to man. Yeah. It you know, seems like uh, you were like a fresh air for some of these. Yes. For these people. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, uh, o- floating over his shoulders, yeah. you know. Right. He was not free to do what he wanted. Yeah. I mean, they were all uh, over him. Yeah. And I don't know if you have noticed, uh, maybe by now you did, but at the time nobody did, is that Elvis never toured uh, Europe. Or and abroad, right. any place, right? Because Colonel Parker, who was his manager, was an illegal immigrant right. <laughs> to the United re- States. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, unbelievable! Unbelievable! Such a big star. And yeah. You know, as the story unraveled later, yeah, we discovered that you know, it's That's amazing. Amazing. He, ne- he never uh, performed abroad. Wow! Everybody at the time was wondering why is Elvis going to That's France, why. Germany, yeah. or. Japan, whatever, because he was afraid he could not come back to this country, uh, <laughs> his manager, Colonel Parker. Wow. So that was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So let's, so let's, let's take it, let's take it back. Let's take it back to when you, uh, late thirties, early forties, you're living in Paris with your mother. Oh yeah. That's the in, early forties. Early forties. Yeah. Um, you were how, nine or 10? Well, I was um, born in 1933. Okay. So, so. Uh, the war was starting to make noise, you know, just when I was born. Uh-huh. That's when Hitler wrote uh, Mein Kampf, yep. the book. Yep. And, and you were living in, in Paris. I was living, well, I was a baby. No? I was right. just born in right, 1933. Right. And up to 19, uh, let's see, when did it start? Uh, Hitler invaded uh, the eastern land, you know, Poland, Poland and all that stuff, you know. So, 39, the war broke out. Mm. And things were, you know, okay until yeah. a certain point where 
the Nazis corrupted the French police as well. Yeah. And uh, they cooperated with the Nazi and they were more royalist than the king because they were overly uh, implementing yeah. the Nazi laws. Like As an example I will give you is um, the French police did not have to arrest children. Uh-huh. The Nazis did not want children in uh-huh. the concentration camp. Uh-huh. So, but the French police took it upon themselves and said, what are we going to do with the children? Yeah. So they c- tried to convince the Nazis to take the children with, with the parents. So, you know, uh, many years later, as, uh, you know, I became, uh, I'm going to jump many years. Sure. And I became a uh, ward of the state in France because both my parents died. I was an orphan. Mm. So uh, many years later, the Chirac government uh, voted a new law that they would compensate uh, orphans of the war. And I did. And then a few years later, there was a meeting with uh, the French uh, government representative. The, I think they were deputies. Mm. And uh, two or three of them came to talk to me and said, well, you did very well in the United States. Um, I said, yeah, I did. And so did my children, he said. Uh, I said, yes, they did. And, but not thanks to you. You know, I mean, right. they were trying to get the, well, you didn't do so bad, we didn't do, you know. Right. And I, I tried to show them that they're not off the hook because they're paying a pension to orphans, you know. That it was not because of the French government that we succeeded. It was a real miracle that I was able to come out of it. We were poor, yeah. And uh, at a time where Europe was very dark, uh, it took a long time for Europe to redress itself, you know. And mm. it was uh, a real miracle that we came out of the the ashes of war, yeah. Uh, because things were bad, yeah. I mean, even food was ration and. I mean, it, it's hard to go through all the stuff that war causes and its subsidiary uh, cost. Yeah. And the children usually are the ones who pay. Yeah. You know, it's always the children. So there's been many wars since. And you, you've seen pictures in Cambodia, yeah. uh, in Vietnam. I mean, you know, it's, it's a horror show. I yeah. mean, you know, a man start war and they don't know the consequence and the waves that it caused, it's like a domino effect. Mm. And it's a terrible uh, cost to pay. You know, uh, millions of people were killed during World War II. Yeah. In, not only Jews. I right. mean, a, oh, right. a whole bunch of people, yeah. you know, they didn't like uh, a lot of different uh, things. You know. Yeah. They would kill homosexuals. They would kill gypsies. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, it was irrational. Yeah. So... Um, when you were... Um, when you were young, when you were a kid, how aware were you of what was uh, going on going on at the time? I know something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It's just when my mother brought me to Lime, that's the town where I was hidden in 1942. Was that so? So before before that, though, you there's the start, the start of all these miracles. Um, I think was when you were in that apartment with your mom. Yes. And the French soldiers came banging on not French soldiers, police. police. French local French, police. French local police. Yeah, yeah. They came banging on your on your door. Yeah, one morning, yeah, in July. Yeah. 
1942. Yeah, and my father had already been arrested. Where did he, you think he was? When uh, well, I know he was in a camp, uh, not too far from Paris, maybe 50 kilometers, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles from uh, Paris. Uh -huh. That's where they f first stayed yeah. for about a year. Uh, uh, the way it worked, that they sent uh, so-called a billet vert in French, which is a green uh, ticket, and you had to show up at City Hall. And he thought it was just uh, to register, but no, uh, they kept them there. And where did you? Where did you think he was? Like, did you think he was at like wor work, or where? Where did you think he what he was? Because I can imagine it's hard for for a kid to understand what the reality of his situation was i didn't yeah yeah i didn't i didn't understand what yeah. was going on exactly yeah. right i just know knew that i had to wear a yellow star uh -huh. and uh, because you were a jew you know so you were mocked uh, coming out the streets and uh, i realized a little bit what had taken place when we visited him my mother somehow got permission to visit. Yeah, that stood out to me in yeah. the documentary because I actually, I was not aware that that was a thing that you could do. I didn't know that people went to, to visit. Well, this was not in Germany yet. This was uh, in France. My father uh, was put to work uh, yeah. in a sugar factory. Most of the people that had been arrested were bored. They were not working. So they had nothing to do in that camp for a year. And... Uh, they were making objects made of wood, the uh, sculpture. They would yeah. take a piece of tree and sculpt it. And my uh, father sent me two pens that you could write with, with an engraving of the bar barracks that he was interned. And I also got a boat. Yeah, they gave you a souvenir. Souvenir, yeah. That, that's. Yeah, you, always thinking of you and yeah. uh, with love and all that. Oh, stuff. your father gave you that? My father, I yeah. see, yeah. I see. So most of them were bored and with nothing to do. But then my mother, when we went to visit and when uh -huh. she got permission to visit PTVA, uh -huh. um, he, she told him that he should try to escape yeah. because the camp was pretty loosely guarded by Fran she heard French from, police. Uh, how... Where did she get that idea that people were escaping? Did she know people who had... I don't know. Who had you loved know, ones I was who too had gotten young, away? You know, yeah. Right. You know, I was nine years old at yeah, the time. Right. Yeah, right. So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that um, when we visited, I do remember that because it struck me. Yeah. She said, you should escape, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because you could do it because he would go to work to the French factory and the guards were, yeah. you know, not paying attention really. Yeah. He could have escaped. And he said, no, no, no. Um, they're going to release me. Because there were rumors that they would release people who had been in the French army. Mm -hmm. You know, veterans uh, who were fighting in 1939 when the uh, German invasion mm -hmm. took place. Mm -hmm. That's what they were being told. Right? Yeah, there was a list, uh, yeah. actually. Because uh, recently, I discovered more facts yeah. when I went to Limay, which is a town near Paris. And by chance, as we were filming, we met the archivist there, mm -hmm. uh, Elodie Bergeron mm -hmm. is her name. And uh, she got so interested in the, my story that she did a research yeah. with, all with various 
governmental agency. And she did over the year and the following year. Yeah, she's awesome. She discovered she's, incredible. I love how much fat. she's just yeah. like dove into your story and become yeah. part of all of your. Well, that's lives. what happened. You know, this so this is great. one of the filmed accomplishments. Yeah, is exactly that. Yeah, and it triggered people to remember what took place. Right, and you know, seventy five years later, the majority of people, mm -hmm. particularly in France. I've forgotten what took place, you know, and the blessing that it was when I first saw an American tr army truck come, you know, rolling down the hill yeah. in Normandy. Yeah. Uh, and the ally that landed. But it took yet another year yeah. to get to Berlin and finish it off. Yeah. So it was a lot of fighting before they got to Paris. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just saw a big black guy driving the, the first... American uh, truck yeah. with supply. And you were living with uh, another family at that yes. time? Yes. My mother took me from Lima because she thought it had become too dangerous. Yeah. And where, this, where did she go? This was Oh, she was hiding across the river Seine uh -huh. with another family. How often would you see her? I saw her once in two years. Because you couldn't afford to be seen together. Because right, you, you didn't want to risk it. The, the Germans were not very far. As a matter of fact, Gosh. I learned in the last uh, four years yeah. that headquarters of General Rommel, who was one of the big Nazi generals, was only a couple of miles from where I was. So when did you find that out? Uh, through Elodie. She wow. No, I mean, she found out so many yeah, things. Yeah, what are some other... That well, off the top example, of your head that... that we uh, found out, we got a death certificate that she got from the Auschwitz camp yeah. uh, archivist, she, which uh, signed by a German doctor. Yeah. It said exactly at what time he died and from what. And they kept records of... Oh, like they were very good accountants. Yeah. That's one thing they were good at <laughs> and nothing else. They, were, they had good accounting. And uh, so from PTVA, before my father was going to be released as thought, yeah. which never happened, the Nazis gave orders to the French police that they were starting to uh, do train convoys and they would uh, deport all the uh, arrestee to Germany. So my father turns out to have gone in convoy number six. And there's an association in France now that promotes the memory of Convoy 6. Mm -hmm. So, because most of the people who went there, I think 15 came back out of the 1,000, you know, maybe a 1,000. So, there were many convoys eventually, you know, and yeah. uh, uh, many, of course, did not come back. And I'm told that my father survived uh, several months. Uh, you remember, Nicole, uh, how many months? I think it was about three months and... More than, I think it was four or five. Really? Yeah, yeah. And they thought that that was a long time to survive Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. So the film also triggered the visit of a group of students from Limay and others throughout the Paris region. Right. 500 kids, you know, high school kids, yeah. about 16-year-old, went on November 20 last mm -hmm. to visit Auschwitz. And they came back with an incredible experience. And yes. uh, they're convinced that this took place. And this is one of the big achievements of the film, mm -hmm. is that it motivated these, uh, all these kids to go there yeah. and visit. And many of them 
were Muslim kids because uh, oh. France has a very large population of uh, uh, people of the Muslim faith. Yeah. So they went there and they did a report on my father and a play, a little mini play. Mm. And uh, I think that's uh, another miracle wow. that took place, you know, where they talk about what happens to in this in these kind of our yeah. situation. Yeah. And they could not believe what they had seen. They saw stacks of glasses, <sighs> gold teeth. I mean, you know, uh, uh, incredible stuff. You know, I'm not I'm going to skip the detail, yeah. but these people have been uh, put into their heads that this never happened, never happened. you know. And 43% of people think that the Holocaust never took place. What? At this stage, yeah, 75 What? years later. That this is what uh, French uh, and U.S. Um, what do you call it? Sondage. Uh, it's, um, survey, survey. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Don't, don't, you know, they I don't believe that it took place. I yeah. did not. I did not know that. And it's a high number of kids now in high school, like 70% of kids, like don't even know what Auschwitz is or any of the other concentration camps. Are you kidding camps. me? No, no. So uh, this is why I think it was good that uh, Nicole yeah. was able to convince me to make the film. I, yeah. wasn't, I was not enthusiastic to do, uh, well, let's, so to retell my story again. Well, so, I, so let's just, while we're talking about that, yeah. the, the fact that we're even talking about this right now is, Another miracle, because you, so you went your whole life up until now, Nicole, Nicole talking to Nicole, um, without knowing any of that about your grandfather. Yeah, nothing. And I went to Israel on birthright, which is a trip that you could take when you're Jewish, yeah. and um, you could go between the ages of 18 to like, I think they've expanded. 27, to, I think. Like, yeah, 28. a little later. Yeah. Um, But I went to the Holocaust Museum in, called Yad Vashem in Israel. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly moving. And I enjoyed my experience so much that I wanted to go back a second time. And during the second time, we went back to Yad Vashem. And since I'd already walked through the museum, and, you know, once you see it once, it's the memories in your head forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so instead of reliving that memory one more time, I was like, I'll take this time to do some research on my grandfather Um, having known nothing except that he survived the Holocaust and immigrated to France. Uh -huh. um, and when I searched the last name, Domon, up comes my grandfather's Shoah testimony, which he had done in 1996. Uh -huh. And I was four years old at the time. So I had no idea that he was even recording it, much less that it existed. And Did, you, did your children know or nobody knew? Uh, no, my wife knew, that's all. Uh, but um, this was the Steven Spielberg project, oh, right. yeah, yeah, where he did testimony of one yeah. thousand uh, uh, survivor of the Holocaust to tell you know yeah. uh, a video story of what took place, yeah. and I thought that it was just to be uh, in the archives yeah. of the University of yeah. California. Right. I never knew it would be someplace else. So what, what point did you decide that you weren't going to share this with? Oh, from the beginning. You knew the, you knew from the beginning. The my wife, had, you know, uh, my original wife, who passed away later, uh, is the only one who knew about the story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I never wanted to tell my children yeah. not to burden them with the weight of what had taken place. Right. Because... I wanted them to succeed and not be uh, bothered with uh, 
negative stuff from the past. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the big reasons. When you heard that uh, Nicole was taking this trip, mm. did, did you want to tell her then? or? Well, she, she asked me. She, she knew most of it by watching the video, right? But before, well, but before. Like before, oh, before, before oh, she before, even saw yeah. it, and she said, hey, I'm going to Israel, I'm, I'm studying uh, you yeah. know, birthright. And, um, no, I didn't tell her, no. Yeah, he didn't think about it. You no, didn't, I, you didn't, you didn't I never thought that she would find the video right. in Jerusalem. Because right. yeah. in 1996, you know, he had one VHS copy and he was going to leave it to my mother and my uncle after he had passed. I see. And he didn't realize that with the expanse, ex, uh, expansion of technology yeah, yeah. that um, everything had been digitized and made on. available at right. any Holocaust museum and at a lot of universities across the, the world. So when I searched his last name, I was trying to purely find out more information about his father, who I knew had perished in Auschwitz. Right. But up comes his video. Right. And, and even what's that like? What I mean, what you so then you see all of a sudden you see him. Yeah, in tele, in uh, in Israel at Yad Vashem, I see his face appear on the screen, and I. What is that? Is that like your stomach drops? Like I, what is that? It was just super emotional. Yeah. I was definitely pretty much in hysterics the whole time. I had like issues with me and you know it's the first time i've heard his story much less coming from his mouth right and um so who do you go do they, who do you talk to first i called my mom yeah. <laughs> and i was like did you know this existed and she knew that he had done it but sh that she had never seen it she said to me and i remember this very clearly you're the only one in the family who's seen this video and so then i think i called you or and something and you, your grandmother saw it Oh, really? She was, but she was there during the yeah. shooting. No, it was Ojiana that was there during the shooting. Oh, it was 1996. Right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Denise was already. Yeah. Ojiana was on camera and so was Dennis. And yeah. in the end of the video, I was not able to watch the full video because I was only at the museum for a short amount of time. Yeah. The video is about two hours long. I think I saw about. Oh, no, it's not two hours. Yeah. It's split into four parts. Two hours? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't know that I spoke so much. Yeah, you've got the gift of gab, that's for sure. Um, I'd only seen about an hour and 15 minutes. So when I got back to Los Angeles, um, at some point, Peter and I went to the Holocaust Museum right around the corner from mm -hmm. you guys. And we watched the full movie at the museum. Got it. Um, and I'm actually in it at the very end. You show pictures of me as a young baby, mm -hmm. um, which I, you know, it's just so crazy that... Yeah. I was even able to find it. So then at what point do you and Peter say, all right, we got to we got to get to work here? I think you know, we had we had gone before I went to Israel and seen his show of testimony, he had just have had a Paris exhibition. Uh -huh. For the first time his work was on the walls. I had seen like a couple prints here and there, but like I never knew the Well, let's let's introduce the people to I am a photojournalist. Oh yeah. And I worked for uh, major publications, yeah. at first European publications, like Paris Match yeah. or Der Stern in Germany, and eventually Life magazine yeah. in the United States. And I think that has to be told because... Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm going to yeah. start it by, uh, when you guys all leave, I'm going to yeah. give a nice little okay. intro for you. Okay, uh, <laughs> so in any event, uh, I am better known but nobody knows who I am, but yeah, right. I, I shot a Your lot of the pictures that you've seen. Yeah. Because life was such an influential publication at the time. Yeah. You know, it. I guess uh, it was as influential as now social media. 
Yeah, right. You know, uh, it was the social media of the times. Yeah. And I covered many stories. And, uh, yeah. yeah, Jay, I, I'm trying to remember the ones that were in the, uh, in the documentary, the funeral, JFK uh, funeral yeah, shot. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I had the six pages in that layout, and life wow. must have had 500 photographers working that day. Wow, wow. Uh, there's one double page, which is very, a very famous image of Jackie walking with the right. Kennedy family. Yep. She's wearing the black veil, and uh, this is a picture that uh, uh, actually was, I found out later that Andy Warhol copied and made multiple paintings of it. Oh, really? Yeah. The, one, the, one that I the Black Veil. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Um, Jackie. Jackie oh, Kennedy. Jackie. Yeah. He basically yeah. took her face, yeah. and he did this whole series, you know, six Jackies, 16 Jackies, eight Jackies, yeah. where he would take photos and put it on a silk screen. Yeah, And colors. then do it in different colors, exactly. Um, one of them sold for something like 41 million. And you knew him, too. You knew it. I had to photograph him twice. Yeah, I did right. two, two stories on him. Yeah. You know, he was a very shy kid, you know, I, uh -huh. the first time I photographed. Nobody knew who Andy Wall was. Yeah. Uh, so I did stories, but I never saw all his work. Right. And I didn't know he had... Uh, and so it's a strange event that yeah. I discover my Jackie photograph, not on one. One, I would have said, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you did a painting of my work. I'm very proud of it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. But it turned out that there were at least more than 70 originals, 70, 75 originals. Wow. And I know that one sold for $41 million, as I said before. That, that's a lot of money for my picture. I thought I should get a piece of it. Yeah. yeah. Or at least a painting, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you copy me, I expect a, paint, a yeah. copy of your painting. Yeah, you almost got a can of soup. Huh? You almost got a can of soup. Oh, oh yeah. He, he yeah right. The first time he offered me a can of soup. I said, Andy, I mean, I, I love your, your, I loved your work, but a can of soup, I've got them in my kitchen. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my what a mistake. I mean, it was, he, he signed it. Oh and I didn't gosh. take it. I thought it was a joke. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you never know at the time. You yeah, know? right. Because I photographed many people who would become famous right. afterward, after right. the fact. Right. I mean, it, it happened a lot. I'm sure. I was working uh, in those days before working for life. I did a lot of work for the New York Times mm -hmm. Sunday section, mm -hmm. like the Arts and Leisure or the magazine. Yeah. And um, it's incredible the number of people that I photographed working in conjunction with Cy Peck, who was a fantastic editor at uh, the New York Times. Mm -hmm. He had his finger on the pulse. And there's not one person that I never heard of at the time yeah. that did not become world famous wow i mean it's unbelievable i mean this is luck you know it has nothing to do with talent it's right. just yeah pure luck so i was lucky as well let me go back for a moment sure sure to 1942 i left the story there uh so in 1942 they come knocking at our door after we had visited my father yeah between 1941 and 1942 uh in ptv so one morning in july they knock at our door and my mother apparently had spotted the police walking. We were in, there were two buildings where we lived, mm. one in front and the courtyard separating the two. And she saw them from our window crossing the, uh, the yard. Mm -hmm. And they, they knocked at our door. She did not answer. She locked up the second uh, uh, lock. Mm -hmm. And 
as time went on, uh, they heard some noise. They knew you were and, there. Well, yeah. they knew we were inside, yeah. yeah. And for some somehow, you know, what do I know? Yeah, I'm nine years old. Right. I, I got hungry. So I think my wife, uh, my, my wife, my mother yeah. went to boil an egg. Right. And she crawled to the kitchen oh and gosh. they heard that. So oh, wow. they, a neighbor gave them an axle, not an uh, axe, axe to brought, bring down the door. Oh they started to God. try to break down the door and they were not Couldn't able to. It. it was a metal door. Wow. So the axle was of no use. And she had locked the second lock. Yeah. They couldn't get in. 12 noon came, lunch break, French police goes to lunch. (laughs) That's the most French thing I've ever heard. Exactly. (laughs) Thank God for their, uh, you know, flexibility of uh, lunch. And while they went to lunch, we escaped with nothing. We took nothing. We just ran out of the apartment. And most of the people arrested in the building uh, never came back. So... That that was the first miracle. Yeah, that know, was like that the start of what we were, would be. We were, but you see what people would do for an apartment? A neighbor provided an yeah. access so they could uh, tear down the door. They were hoping to get the apartment. Oh, my God. And just for that. Yeah. yeah. So it was the French police, and they had buses outside waiting for all the thousands of people they were going to arrest mm. and take them to a uh, stadium within Paris, mm-hmm. which they did. Mm-hmm. So we escaped that. And I think my mother took took us on the train someplace. And then we came, we ended up in Limay, right. where she has this couple, uh, which she knew because they were renting that house for the summers sometime uh, before the war. Mm-hmm. So they accepted and I, I stayed there for two years. And she found another family across the river. Yeah. Uh, where she stayed there and worked her way to pay for uh, keep. And uh, well, that leads to the next miracle well, that happened to you, well, yeah. which I, I I could take out because we got to leave something for the documentary. But but just just in case, just because it's such a crazy story and I haven't heard it since the documentary. Yes. Um, there's there was one day you were walking in in the the back of in the, the garden in the yes. garden holding yeah. a. A cat. A black cat, my pet, yeah. Yeah. Pompon. Pompon. What's his name, yeah. Which means pompom. Pompom, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's funny because growing up, I had a little black puppet. Uh-huh. And it w- or a black cat puppet uh-huh. that I got from France when we were there on a summer vacation. And he kept calling it pompon. Oh, my So gosh. I grew up with this cat puppet mm-hmm. that I yeah. called pompon pussycat. Oh, my And I had gosh. no idea of the story. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So, oh, so, what, so while, while we were walking yeah. in the garden... Yeah. Um, well, as an introduction, I've got to say that the Germans were bombing mm-hmm. a factory right across the river, directly across Limay in Mont. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were just walking with the cat. And the cat was in my arms, and um, a German fighter plane was flying very low, yeah. came from behind the house. Yeah and started to machine gun us. So uh, I saw later on that the cat was bleeding. He died in my arms. And for some reason, the plane was on the side. And it's, you know, if it had shot in three quarters or in front, yeah, yeah, it would have gone through me as well. The cat is not protection. But 
it was on the side and the cat got killed, not me. So that was miracle number two. Yeah. yeah. And what is, as an offspring, like he, the, the fact that he's here is, is a miracle. What, what is that like for you? The fact that I'm here is a miracle. Yeah, you're, you're a miracle, yeah. miracle as well. Yeah, no. So what is that? I mean, is that... It gives you a greater perspective on life, sure. right? You sure, know, of these course. slight moments could yeah. change everything. Yeah. Um, it just makes me appreciative of what he was able to persevere through and live through, you know. Yeah. It's always your ancestors that lay the groundwork, you know, makes every generation it gets a little bit easier, I think, Yeah. Um, to succeed. And... Without him and his perseverance, I definitely would not be here today. If he had not immigrated to America, he would have never met my grandmother. Right. And then yeah. never, my mom wouldn't have existed, and well, neither me. Life is made of little nothing incidents, yeah. which we think that it's nothing, you know, small incident. And the, these are the big things in life yeah. eventually. Yep. Uh, you don't know that you're living through it, and then later on you find out, my God, this was an important event. Yeah. And it's made of... Some, Small miracle. Yeah. That's what life is. It's like making a film. It's a miracle when it turns out well. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's a minor miracle. So th- there were many such things, you so know. That, uh, so uh, I don't want to jump jump too much, but and, and I don't think it is too much later. It's the war ends and you reunite with your mother. Um, yes. After, and uh, as the war ends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we were able to legally yeah. get our apartment back. Yeah. But of course, everything was gone. Yeah. They, the French had the, took, taken everything out of it. And um, uh, we are only a few months in Paris. And it was only a few months. Yeah, a few months after the war. So you were yeah. still like a 10. ten yeah, yeah, 10, barely old. 10, yeah. Oh and, and then uh, she... No, no. No, no, but... You're about 13. Oh, 13. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah, I grew so up. You, I grew up. Yeah. At nine, you went to go hide, and ah. then you were there for a few yes, years. Yes. So still, you're you're so young. I mean, yeah, you're, very, very young. Yeah. Yeah. So my mother, among many people, yeah, as a stomachache, she buys some bicarbonate at yep. the pharmacy across the street, and within a matter of hours, she gets very ill, and uh, is transported to a local hospital. And she's one of nine people who died because the pharmacist had bought uh, this white powder, sold it as bicarbonate. It was really rat poison that he had bought on the black market. So she passed away when I was 13 years old. And that's when I became a ward of the nation. And yeah. Whatever family was left, there was a family council. Yeah. And I went into an orphanage uh, from there on. What was that doing to you, like, behaviorally? Like, were you... It's enough to destroy somebody. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're given all the love that a good parent gives to a child. Yeah. And all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah. So it was a, very, a big shock. Yeah, so it was a... These were difficult years, probably the most difficult. Yeah. Survival. Right. You know, so I learned how to survive yeah. from that from the 1942 on. That's amazing. So, you know, I was able to get myself out of an orphanage when I was maybe 15 and a half, something like that, 16, barely 16. And I started to work as an assistant to photographers. You needed your creative outlet. Yes. Put all of that into It was my outlet to get out of this poverty. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I was poor. I had no money since, uh, you know, uh, I was being supported by the nation with not much. 
Yeah. So um, I, little by little, I worked it uh, worked it out, and I wrote to an, uh, an uncle in New York. There were three uncles and uh, brothers of my uh, father who were living in New York, and I discovered one had passed away. Uh, or yeah, and there were two left, and one, my uncle Sam. Uh, ask if I wanted to come to the, to New York. So since I had no family at all in uh, Paris, I said, "Why not try it?" Yeah. So I came uh, in uh, December. Uh, uh, I think I arrived in New York on December second, nineteen fifty, and uh, met the uncles and uh, stuff like that. But again, life had strange turns. The new wife of my uncle did not want me in a, in a apartment. Right. So the first night I slept at friends right. and eventually my uncle rent, rented a, a room near the Bronx Zoo. So I lived there for a while mm -hmm. and uh, started to take pictures and uh, yeah, what are you, the are rest you, is history. Are you taking pictures of the city? Of Yeah, uh, uh, whatever, whatever I saw locally. You right. know, yeah. Well, New York's just full of... Of course, it's a very visual image. And oh, yeah. Uh, I had, you know, I loved movies, yep. and I saw when I was young, uh, as a uh, maybe an imperfect solution, uh, I, d I went to the movie a lot to just uh, see escapist yeah, entertainment. Of course, right? I mean, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. E even between school, I would see Laurel and Hardy or yeah. the, the Marx Brothers, or whatever films, yeah. you know. So I, I saw a lot of movies. Yeah. And I really wanted to be, I said, uh, it's a wonderful world. I'd like to be part of it. Yeah. In those days, it was very difficult for me, at least, mm -hmm. to enter the film business. Mm -hmm. So I started to take pictures, and one thing led to another. I started to work in the field, and uh, the same in New York. Yeah. And I, people thought that I had created an agency because I would, I would shoot during the day different story that inspired me and at night i would go into my bathroom and i had set up a dark room yeah. i would print all night and in the morning send it fedex it was the beginning of fedex at the time and express uh, three or four packages with prints mm -hmm. to england france italy and germany and that's how i really begun i started to sell stories that's amazing and as young as I was, uh, life saw it, saw them. You know, they were seeing what other magazines are doing. Yeah. And a little kid from France was uh, taking, beating them. They are teams. You know, they, in those days, life had a lot of money to do stories. They would send several reporters and photographers on the same story. Yeah. And uh, eventually, in 1958, they gave me a small assignment, and I started to work for them. Uh, after having worked for many uh, European magazines. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really created a one-man agency. Uh, so then the rest uh, uh, unraveled pretty well. And I did a lot of big stories for life. Mm -hmm. And um, also I took a lot of pictures on my own. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, at that point, uh, I was still uh, dreaming about making movies. I tried but it was very very difficult to penetrate. Wow. And you're 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 in the you're in that world now. Sure. I sure am. Yeah. 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 That's that's so amazing. Yeah. 
So and what a perfect way to to like ha- to do this story with Nicole. Yes, it's like gosh. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I've always had a close relationship with him growing up. You know, we'd spend a lot of summers in France when I was a child. Yeah. And then yeah. later we did a lot of summers in New York, you know, escaping the Arizona heat. Yeah. And um, so we spent a lot of time together. But with the movie, you know, getting to know him at a greater level, you know, I knew superficially what had happened to him growing up. But having to dive back into history and it really gave me a greater perspective is honestly the greatest gift that he could have given me and how fun is this right now like what you guys are doing right now you're traveling together and doing going well, sometimes all these, yes uh, mm-hmm. events well together. i'm doing a lot of uh, exhibitions yeah tomorrow uh, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow there's one opening in los angeles yeah. yes yeah. at the we'll kp project we'll, gallery we'll yeah. be there we'll see you oh it would be nice we'll to see, see you yeah yeah uh kp project moved to a new gallery it's a nice nice space uh, yeah very large and there's going to be something like maybe 65 uh, works gosh so it's nice and we will have uh, another one a big exhibition opening in atlanta on september 15 till december 30 at the bremen museum in atlanta that's awesome and we'll come back to los angeles yeah to another major museum we're talking now to uh, come back and do another museum show here and for people that are listening that would like to come to these shows and museums that you will be exhibiting at how can they get that information do they sign up to a newsletter or website i think following uh keeping track of his website which is downmanpictures.com his last name d-a-u-m-a-n um is the best way to keep updated we'll constantly update the website if not on you know he has this show in france called the manhattan darkroom which is a traveling exhibition um, they're constantly posting updates on Facebook and stuff like that too. Got it. So at the end, you know, the, about speaking of my work, yeah, uh, I discovered that when you combine all the stories that I had done, yeah, from 1950 on to 2019, uh, I really covered the history of America. Yeah, in the those 50, 60 years, right. Uh, when you put it all together, yeah, uh, the changes were incredible, yeah, and that's what I specialized in—to do one story after another that would comment on what the changes were, right. you know, from essays in life about anonymity, uh-huh. the struggle to be an individual uh-huh. in the '60s and '70s, the breakup of the family. Yeah. These were the type of story that I would do uh, sometime a little bit of too intellectual for people to get it because life magazine after all was a popular medium yeah right uh, it was not a eyebrow yeah type of magazine but we did some of them sometime right. included in, in the entertainment stories they were good essays on very important issues or even civil rights you know i'd covered a lot of black events uh, to acquire civil rights mm-hmm. during president johnson's uh, uh, residence at the White House. And um, so many stories became meaningful when they were all put together after 50 or 60 years, mm-hmm. actually even more than that. So it's interesting when you see them all together, Yeah, it creates a history book of the United States, yeah. which is amazing, which uh, this is what blew me over when I saw the first museum show in 2014 
that's when I started to see my pictures on the Put wall. It all together. Because and, before yeah. I didn't yeah. believe in pictures on the wall. Yeah. I thought that pictures were a living thing and they belonged in a cover magazine or yeah. a double page or a page, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those pictures belong there for people to appreciate what the story has to say. Right. Uh, some of them were in-depth story. Once in a while, we would get one in that would be meaningful. And uh, I discovered that the same reaction took place at the show in Paris, the first show in 2014. Some people were coming out of the show in tears yeah. because they were reliving a part of their life. Yeah. And that's what I covered. You know, the, how it affected me personally. Every single story has my stamp. Mm-hmm. It's different than anybody else would shoot. Because of my uh, rapport with people, yeah. I was able to really tell a personalized yeah. kind of story of the United States. Well, we're we're so excited to see tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow we night. left we left the documentary yeah. showing in tears. Yeah. So, no, did you? Oh, no, we did, yeah. we did, yeah. we did. Yeah. Um, and you never experienced the war, you know? No. And I could connect to it because my mom's family is from Venezuela. And with everything happening in Venezuela right now, there's so much craziness and poverty. And my mom is, she wishes she can go back to where she grew up, but she can't. So that part made me really emotional when I saw that you were able finally to go back. I don't know how old my mom will be when she's able to go back and see where she grew up or find out how her family or friends passed away. So um, that part affected me. Yeah, what an amazing moment that was to see you walking through your apart, your old apartment building. Well, everything comes to pass. I'm sure your mother will be able to go to Venezuela to visit. It's not going to be a lifetime anymore. Things are moving much faster nowadays. This the guy there is going to be probably out of power before he knows it. So I'm sure she'll be able to go in her lifetime to see what she wishes to do, to do or see there in Venezuela. But it's happening all over again. You know, people have forgotten. That's what I said earlier. And uh, a majority of people don't know about uh, the consequence of war because we're ready to go into another one again. Yeah. You know, people never learn. And I hope that we leave some kind of a, a taste for that against war and how it affects uh, children in particular, and all people, and how easy it is to arrive there. You know, Berlin was a very, uh, in the 30s, was a very creative town. You know, they had all the uh, modern uh, cabaret criticizing the government, but the same mood that uh, was in New York in the uh, 60s and 70s. It was a very creative town, and yet, Hitler was able to come to power and realize what he wrote in his book. People were not paying attention. They told him, oh, it would never happen. Yeah. And it is with uh, people of that kind that uh, things do happen. You know, uh, in Germany in the 30s, you needed a, a barrel of money to buy a piece of bread. And that's what took place. And it became a monster out of no, nowhere that anybody was expecting. Nobody believed what Hitler had written in Mein Kampf. But he, he realized some of it. And uh, 
it's happened time and time again since. So I think in a good, it's a good way that we did the film. Uh, it causes people to maybe a little bit of action and uh, remembering uh, to never forget that uh, it could happen again. And like we mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of, you know, our parents' generation and my grandparents' generation, they understand the war, they understand what happened but it's our generation, the ones that came after us, that yeah. we need to educate and explain to them what had happened to make sure that something that within still his lifetime, he's still living, it, it, it had, had occurred, this extreme tragedy. Um, so something that I personally really enjoyed from this film is that when we were done and finished, Peter's sister-in-law, Emily, is an art teacher at a high school and a school just outside of Sacramento. And about a third of the, the population in that school are first-generation kids that are coming from South America, Mexico. A lot of them, you know, their English is their second language. Um, and they watched this movie in their class. And at the end of the movie, she gave them the option of writing me and Peter a letter or my grandfather a letter. And about a couple months ago, um, we got about 80 letters sent to us of these kids and their reaction to the film. And I think that's something that resonated deeply with them is that all these things that happened to him were not too far from the age that they are watching it. Because we're talking about high schoolers aged 13, 14 to age 18 and how he lost his parents at 13. I think it really struck a chord Mm -hmm. in the students. And I'm going to read you one of the letters. Oh, please, yeah. Dear Henry Dalman, my name is Michaela. I am a student at Tokay High School. I recently watched the film about your life in my art class. I really enjoyed it. Seeing all those amazing photographs you have taken since you started your career here in America, it was also incredible and heartbreaking to hear and watch all that you went through as a boy all up to the age of 13 years old. It's inspiring to see some push through something like that and come back and build a career and a life for themselves. I really enjoyed the film, and I want to thank you for being willing to share your story with others. Sincerely, Michaela. Gosh. And I think that that's, that's so the greatest amazing. gift. Yeah, you know, it is. Is to educate the younger generations and give them an awareness and also make them maybe not feel so alone. Yeah. Another boy um, in her class wrote in a letter in very broken English how he came to America and he left behind his father and his uncle. And they were murdered when he was 10 years old. And that was something that he has not been able to overcome. Mm. But after watching the movie, has given him a greater perspective to just keep going and motivating in his life and moving past extreme tragedy. And I just think that, especially in our political climate now, more than ever, it's important important. for people to, you know, just realize that we're all humans here. We all bleed the same color blood. Well, just... Just imagine what one person can make a difference. Yeah. You know, uh, it was so well thought out in a Hollywood film, as a matter of fact. Right. Uh, which was called... Um, it's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy fa- Stewart. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the writing on this movie yeah. is so uh, forward-looking, yep. you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And it shows what one person makes a difference. Yeah. And... It, the movie describes how the town would have been different if the Jimmy Stewart character had not lived. Yeah. 
That and probably came out when you were... Yes, so it's the same thing. When I came kid. to the United yeah. States, I, I just took a chance. And Did you came. watch that movie when you were... Oh, yes, of course. When you were young? When yes, I watched it when I was young, and I watched it many times again when they showed it. Yeah. They show it as a Christmas movie. Oh, I watch it every And year. it's not a Christmas movie. No. It's, a, it's about something else. Why is it and, uh, but it's, it's great because people thinking it's a Christmas movie, they watch something <laughs> that's really meaningful. Right. So it shows that one, one person makes a difference. Yeah. That's why it's so important. Anybody who's listening to this is to take a position as to where you stand and uh, do what you have to do to change the world. And, uh, you know, I know I raised uh, three children, and they all succeeded in the United States, successes that could not have been duplicated in Europe at the time because of the economical situation. You know, my son, uh, Philippe, became uh, one of the half a dozen leading industrialists in America. One of the top uh, business guy, you know, uh, he became chairman of the board of ICOM. Oh, wow. so Icom. Yeah. he, you know, I didn't get into the entertainment industry, but he did with both feet in. Yeah, he controlled uh, a lot of the, a good percentage of yeah. the ent- uh, America's entertainment. Yeah, uh, as a businessman, and my daughter as well, uh, N- N- uh, Nicole's mother, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they all got a good education, and uh, everybody is fine. That's so, uh, I, I, seventy-five I years later, we can look in awe of yeah. what the United States did, you know. Yeah. And uh, the French people should be uh, grateful for delivery. Uh, and it was touch and go, you know. As I told you before, I saw a truck uh, going down the hill. The first truck. Yeah on the American army, yeah. they should be grateful, eternally grateful for what took place. And it was, as I said, touch and go for a while, right. where the Germans uh, brought more troops and the Allied had a very difficult time going to Paris. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that around me, I was in the center of fighting uh, for uh, delivering the country. So that's why you see a celebration all, every year mm-hmm. in Normandy. A lot of young boys uh, gave away their life mm-hmm. to bring back democracy, and everybody should uh, take a position and fight to keep this democracy alive yeah. and keep uh, the world free of demagogues, yeah. such when we have plenty right now. Yeah. And this let, let this be a warning that we should not accept be accepting uh, this uh, kind of... Uh, uh, I never thought in my lifetime I would see this kind of demagoguery again. Yeah. So it's uh, important for everybody to note this. Yeah. And uh, not stay neutral, but do something about yeah. it. Yeah. Even though you feel like your impact of one person can't be much. No, that's not is. true. Yeah, yeah, Nicole is right. Yeah. I said earlier, one person makes the difference. Yeah. You know, and uh, you can change things by taking a position that's the only moral to this tale yeah you know uh i'm a phoenix coming out of the ashes <laughs> and uh now i'm coming to the end of my life and i'm very happy we are telling the story yeah uh, just for that you know so that uh, people can pay attention and take notice so it's a good thing because i'll be there even after i'm not here 
to tell the story and uh, you know film stays for a long time yeah. and uh, I'm, I, I was told that maybe a second film could be made a fiction film hey. uh, with actors which would tell the story much better than me no I think yeah. you've told it perfectly oh okay. Joey you want a yeah. job well you hey, play, I'll play you a young play Henry I'll play a young Henry yeah I mean why not <laughs> Are you so? Just really quickly. So, like, are you when she tells you everything that's that she has discovered? Like, are, are you immediately like, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get involved with, with this? Sort of. It was like a, it was like a multiple step process. We, yeah. So as as was already said. So what happened was is we were in Paris in 2014 for his first exhibition. And I didn't know anything about him at all. Yeah. Um, and when I saw his photographs on the wall, I was really excited because I'm a big film guy. So he had all these photographs of all these famous directors. Yeah, yeah. In particular, a lot of like French directors that I was kind of blown away that he got to take pictures of at the height of their careers. I remember you taking you taking me to go see a French film in Santa Monica once. Yeah, actually, yeah. we went and saw a Jacques Tati film. Uh, those he, are good. Yeah, we went and watched uh, Monolk. Yes. And we saw... And he I photographed took, them as well. He took did? pictures of Tati yeah. when Tati went on the Steve Allen show, uh-huh. which was at the height of Tati's career. I think Tati had just won the Oscar yes. for um, Monsieur Hulot, yeah. Hulot's Holiday. Yeah. Uh, so Tati was like at the top of his game. And that yeah. was actually one of the first pictures I saw of his that really blew me away because Tati is also kind of very... You don't, there's not like a lot of pictures of him. Right. And if you have pictures of Tati, it's kind of like, why do you have pictures of him? Um, so anyways, so I saw all of his photographs. And at that point, her and I were like, well, this is cool. Like there's something here. Uh-huh. But, you know, I think we were doing some other things. And we were like, okay, well, whatever. And then after she discovered the video in Israel, yeah. she I think I was the third person she called. Uh-huh. Uh, and on that conversation, it was, we, we, we have to do something. When I get back to the United States, we need yeah. to talk to him yeah. and uh, make something. Yeah. So you'd already been sort of thinking about covering his work. Yeah, there was, yeah, there, was definitely like awesome. a, there was definitely like a bubbling up of the idea after the yeah. 2014 uh, ex- uh, exhibition. Uh-huh. And then it all kind of boiled over when she found the video in Israel. How did this, how did this team get assembled? Um, I met Roland through um, a college friend of mine. Uh, uh, I knew a guy in college. I went to school in Boulder, Colorado. And I knew a guy there, a good friend of mine named Andrew Kesey. Uh-huh. And he has a brother, Will Kesey. Uh, and when we went out to New York initially, yeah. it was actually the first time I'd ever been to New York uh, to talk to Henry about the documentary. Uh-huh. And I had talked to Andrew and been like, hey, I'm going to New York for the first time. Andrew's from New York. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do I, what do I, what should I do in New York? I also told him about the documentary. And he's like, you should talk to my brother, Will. He runs this company with uh, his friend, Roland. Um, and great guys. Um, so we got there. We I met with Will. Will was awesome. Will was um, you know really incredible, really enthusiastic. Yeah. He's like, let me introduce you to Roland. Yeah. And then we met with Roland, and it was just you know love at first sight. I guess <laughs> and it's been magical ever since. And Roland, like, so now you're shooting a guy who's like a master at shooting. Yeah. What is that? Is that how how freaked out were you? Like how were you? No, he was always in good spirits. Yeah, yeah. Was, he yeah. definitely had his comments and his questions and yeah. his critiques. Um, but it was always like very collaborative. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of looked at it as like 
it's kind of like a new actor actress working with like Meryl Streep, right? For like the first film or something. Uh, you know what I mean? For Just sure. All this time, if Meryl was an older, very particular French person <laughs> with no filter, you know what I mean? Uh, but it was definitely a learning experience. I think we all enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, we, we what better way to learn too? Like we. I mean, we were talking with Peter. We we're like, let's just leave a camera running every time we're showing him a shot. Oh yeah. Um, oh. And there's like a little sequence in the film where it's sort yeah. of just showing behind the scenes of him kind of coming over to the camera and yep. just little critiques like, oh, like why a is little, that yeah. I think it should right. be over there. You th- you like it like this? You're like, nah. So it was a very uh, you know humorous, always light but collaborative situation. It was good. Yeah, that's awesome. I For gave him an education in filmmaking. Yeah, in, in at least in the photography part, he gave us some wonderful images. Oh yeah. Of uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Paris. The documentary, lo- yeah, <laughs> uh, particularly Paris. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, it, well, it really does. I mean, it really is beautiful some, shot. The, some the cinema verite so thing with camera on the shoulder and yeah, the style. You know, yeah, style yeah one of like, one of the earliest conversations Peter and I had was yeah. kind of like, you know, all of his photo, all of Henry's photos are so very cinematic and right, and they feel like almost like otherworldly. I don't know. They feel like they're just they're moments in time, but they are almost like they look planned, but they're not. Right. So we, we yeah, definitely right. wanted to like have a cinematic feel to the film and we wanted it to not feel as much verite kind of like just walking around following yeah. a guy right but kind of feel like and immerse you in a story a little bit kind of blurring the lines between a narrative and, and a documentary and yeah that, that helped a lot with the music we had a great composer in in, in france yeah uh, olivier yeah how um, did you guys come to meet that how did, how did we that came happen? to meet uh, him through one of our producers carrie borisic uh-huh. uh, who worked in the music business yeah, for a music long time was and she was fantastic. good friends with him yeah yeah and it really kind of added that last breath of air into it. Um, I think it complemented everything really well and yeah. kind of made it feel like you're actually watching a narrative movie. Yeah, it did. Um, totally did. It was like the last little little piece, I think, that really kind of sold it. Um, but yeah, so we always wanted That was a conscious of, thing. That you yeah, guys, we wanted yeah, to yeah, pay yeah. homage to his, his photos, you know what yeah. I mean? With the style of the film. So. Yeah. So we expect Mr. Roland Smith to step into the Academy Award stage next year yeah to collect his, uh, yeah, hey. his award for best photography <laughs> yeah eight, eight months from now yeah Kurt, courtesy henry dolman yep yep yeah. yep oh uh, we, we always wanted to make his his uh interviews and all the interviews that we shot heavily you know backlit because all his photos have you know or not all of them but a lot of them were kind of marked by a strong backlight situation uh-huh. yeah so we that was kind of a conscious choice where all of our set interview um setups would be a heavy backlight on uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Just kind of another little homage to Was that the one where he, he wanted to change the lighting of it? Well, he wanted to change the lighting on all of them. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure it was that one. <laughs> well, I've, I've gained quite a bit of experience. Sure. Of so course, many years. Of yeah. course, of course. So, and you have to do, you know, when you work on these stories, you have to work like a fly in the wall sometimes. And uh, it's difficult to move quickly. Yeah. So you can accomplish what you set out to do it's not no small feat to have the good lighting and combine uh, emotions yeah spontaneity. it's not, not easy yeah. spontaneity yeah you got to create that you know yeah uh, yeah and hey, be ready was it was it the beatles that you you photographed that you turned or who was it that you turned and you got the you got oh federico fellini yeah the, the, i did many directors yeah or that you got the I photographed the, all the my fans. idols, the, the, you know, the, you, all the films that I had seen in childhood. Uh-huh. I wanted to photograph them. I wanted to meet them before they are gone, uh-huh. and that's what I did. I photographed all my idols. Yeah, in film. Yeah, you know, I photographed Claire, Francois Truffaut, Jean-Luc Godard, Fellini, Fellini. 
and many American directors as yeah. well. You know, every time I I'm like a sponge, I learn a little bit. Of course. From each of them. Yeah. And that was my uh, university days. Yeah. I learned everything from talking to very smart people and uh, learned a lot. So, and it's still a learning experience to, yeah. this, to this day. Yeah. Till I die, I guess. <laughs> always, always yeah. learning. That was kind of a parallel for me too, what you're just talking about. Where I mean, obviously, Nicole grew up with Henry. She knew him. Right. Peter knew him for a little while before he started filming. Right. But Henry's whole kind of professional thesis, if you will, is that he got to know all these people and it was his sort of school of life situation yeah. using photography as the medium. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I felt with spending three years with the guy filming is that, you know, we were basically kind of photographing him, but just getting to know him over the past three right. years. And his story is so much more impressive than like any of our personal stories. And just being able uh, to it's like, not even, yeah, yeah, it's not even the same no, like, universe. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? No, it's a different age. Yeah. yeah and like, I, I think yeah. the, 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 I'm most lucky because we got to hang out and we got to, I'm friends with an 86 year old man now, you know what I mean? Which is yeah. kind of unique. Yeah. We talk to him all the time on the phone. He's not related to me. It's just a bizarre situation. I just hang out with him. Yeah. Spend hour long phone conversation with an 86 year old person who's not related to me. You, you, out here with well, him and hung out with him for a day. day with yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's you know, amazing. I'm honored. I'm honored. I, so I'm, yeah, I may be 86. Oh, but he's but I'm still the 17. Yeah. Wait, 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 put, put your hand back on Roland's hand. Why? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous of this relationship. Oh, this is yeah. all day yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Across the we old we old hands. Yeah. And I'm, I'm his personal, <laughs> I'm his personal <laughs> IT person also. Yeah. Anytime yeah. there's a computer issue, you know, yeah, you're the I guy. Yeah, phone. Yeah, everything. Yeah, you can all log on to his computer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone's got access to everything. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. We really do. He doesn't realize I'm younger than him. The only thing I cannot do is walk as fast as he does. Yeah. yeah. He's young at heart. Yeah. Always, for sure. Yeah. That's what kept me alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Always a positive attitude. Yeah. Never look at the ba- uh, in the past. That's why now looking in the past was painful. Right. Because I had put everything behind me. Right. Yeah. Right. And as a conclusion, I will say that. That's why I didn't tell my family. Yeah. You know, there was no need for it. Yeah. Uh, They're finding out anyway now. You know, we are in a period where all of you, you know, I would say young people, uh, are able to accomplish because you're not burdened with any uh, negative uh, ideas or uh, events. You know, you're free to act yeah. uh, right. as you want. Yeah, right. You know, right. you can be a painter, you can be an actor, right. uh, you can do anything. Right. You know, Marshall McLuhan, the Toronto professor who wrote several books on the subject, uh, like Understanding Media and The Medium is the Message and that kind of book, spoke about media and we did a story on him when nobody knew him. And he predicted all the stuff that's available now, the iPhone, he predicted there will be computers in those days, in the when was late it? When, si- when was uh, well, let's see, late 60s, early oh, wow. 1970. Oh my God. He predicted that, you know, what you've got, the power you've got on an iPhone, which is only 10 years old yeah. in 2019, yeah. um, he predicted small computers that could be carried and everything that's happening now, social media, he spoke about it. I had a very hard really? time understanding uh, what he was saying. But I spent 10 days with him and incredible what yeah. he told me. Yeah. And oh, wow. now I, I know what he was telling me. Yeah. And 
everything that we've got now, you know, and what you're doing. He knew in 1970 that's, that that's this nuts. would take place and, and more. We're only at the threshold uh, of, yeah, what, right. of technology. Right. I hope we don't make it impossible for young people to continue uh, with talks of uh, war and uh, nonsense. Mm. Mm. So I hope you can continue forever. I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad to see that people can get so many listeners. You know, when Life Magazine were, had acquired through subscription eight and a half million subscribers, we thought that was a big number. But I think today uh, the numbers are even bigger than Life Magazine. So it's amazing. It, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, some some people talk of fake news. There's a lot of uh, news that is without the facts. Right. You know, I don't know how you want to call it, but it's fake or not. Yeah. But um, a lot of news is being reported that is not researched like yeah. um, me, you know normal media would, and that's important to note that when we did a story. We did a lot of research. It was backed. We could back it up. That this was not invented. It was uh, truly the events that were taking yeah, place. Right. You know? right. And now you cannot trust a picture that you see because yeah. you, uh, yesterday Editing Roland. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, yesterday Roland took a picture of me when we were having lunch, and somehow the iPhone transformed as a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got I've got new chances in Hollywood to <laughs> succeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's your new headshot. Yeah. We'll send, yeah. that, we'll send exactly. that one around. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this was so fun talk. I feel like I could sit and talk with you f forever. Well, we can do another movie. <laughs> hey. Well, thank you so much for coming, all of you guys. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so it's proud real, to, real to know you and to sit with you, and and uh, I'm excited for everybody to see documentary looking up um we're excited to see you guys tomorrow night yeah come and see the show of course we'll definitely yeah. come it's looking up too hey yeah. love it. <laughs> awesome thank you Joey yeah. And yeah. thank you for having thank us thank you so much yeah. you're welcome